Welcome guys to the On The Verge podcast. My name is Ali Reza and today I have the privilege of discussing the question what is God with two of my good friends. I hope you enjoy today's conversation. Ali, what is God? <laughs> First, I want to introduce myself. Okay, um, go my for name it, is Ali Reza Omidwar and I studied philosophy and theology. I'm a third year student. Um, so the question, what is God? I think I can respond to that question, but first I have to deal with two problems. <laughs> the first problem is the problem of language. Yeah. Is that any description of God I'm gonna talk about today, I'm gonna discuss, yeah. will be imperfect and will be symbolic. So they don't understand the meanings of what I'm saying in the words themselves, but what they're pointing to. Do you, do you think it's inherently impossible for language to be able to describe something like God? Um, lang- I think language can work really well as, sim- as symbolic, yeah. if you understand it as symbols, yeah. and not take it literally. Um, but I do think language is also very, very useful to make sense of yeah. our experiences and to understand our experiences such that we can explain it to other people yeah. and to ourselves. Yeah. Um, there, was, there was this class I took um, in undergrad. Uh, I'm Kenneth Shinazuka, by the way, second year DPhil in neuroscience at Oxford. Um, which there's this class I took in undergrad on East Asian religions, um, which described poetry as something as using words to point to something that is beyond words. Um, and I think that's the case with the best descriptions of God is that you're using language, right? Which is, as you said, imperfect, mm-hmm. but it's using language in a way that points to something beyond language, you know, like you're signifying at something. Yes. I think the closest I can sort of point to in terms of our life is our personal experiences yeah um and that would be our personal experiences with god yeah. and however form we do experience him so i only wanted to, to sort of give the context of whatever description i'm going to give about god would be sort of poetic as you said it wouldn't be literal right. and you know as Wittgenstein says the limit of my language are the limit of my world so um if i provide a description or understanding I'm still within the box of the finite world. I'm still stuck in human language, right. which is determined and influenced by my, determined or influenced by my environments and my experiences yeah. and the community that I live in. So that's just the context. I don't know what you guys have to say about uh, the context of even trying to answer the question, yeah. what is God? There's a second thing, right? You, you were going to say like a second the, impossibility. Um, impossibility of, yeah, of something. <laughs> okay. you, you, so, mentioned, you mentioned two things at the beginning. Yeah, so I, before I answer the question, what is God? Because if I go into the question straight away, someone could ask me, well, why are you even the right person to speak about God? Yeah. And, and what, what do your words mean? What are you actually saying? So that's why I want to speak about language first. Um, and then secondly, about divine epistemology. So how do we know about God? Mm, okay. Yeah. And that, I think, is how we know about God and therefore puts us in a position to even begin to describe or or express what God is, Um, our divine epistemology must, on some basis, be grounded in personal experience. And unless that is the case, we cannot be said to have knowledge of God. And could you just clarify what epistemology is for people who who don't, might not know that word? So epistemology is just a branch of philosophy that is concerned with knowledge. So, um, for example, what, what... what considers to be knowledge. Um, if I drink a cup of coffee right now and I experience the, the taste of coffee, I can set 
to have knowledge of the mm-hmm. cup of coffee that I'm right. drinking. So knowledge in this sense is direct experience because I do believe that knowledge that's not directly experience is only symbolic. Mm-hmm. It's trying to point to something, right. but it has to catch a real grounded thing. Mm-hmm. That be in, in this case, that'd be my experience with God or, or with the divine or however you put it. So experience must be, experience is necessary to even begin to speak about what is God. Mm. And if someone hasn't had that experience or any experience, mm. what they're saying is not really referring to anything. Right, right. So it's, it's sort of, um, it's not nonsense, but it sort of doesn't have a grounding. Right, you know, right. It, the meaning is, is not clear. Right. Um, Which would suggest that God is something that can be experienced. Right. That that's the that's the critical idea. Okay. Um, yes, that would suggest that, and that was only the two points I wanted to mention. And you know, I I had two examples. One was that someone who understands love is someone who has been in love. Mm-hmm. Someone who understands God is someone who has been in God or with God. Um, it's the same sort of epistemological understanding is that unless you experience something. Mm-hmm. And as you said, that implies this experiential. Yeah. And I think it is. Um, why do I think that is? Because of my own experiences. Again, it has to relate back, <laughs> it has to, relate back to my something that I've yeah. experienced. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. If I read it in a book, right. um, it's still something abstract and symbolic. Right, 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 right. Whereas an experience is no longer necessarily symbolic. Now you have something that is that is that has some substance to it, right? Like, right, a, right. like an immediate substance. Right. Um, so if I'm just going to finish what I was going to say, was that now we've dealt with language and epistemology, we know that the only true way of understanding God is through experience. Yeah. And then, the, so now it, that enables me to even begin to talk about what, what God is. And I think um, in my own experience, my knowledge of God has come from my psychedelic experiences and my introspection, mm. so self-inquiry. And self-inquiry is much more sort of, you, you have more access to it at every second and it's free. You don't have, any, you don't have to take anything or do anything. Yeah. You just have to go through a method which would be, which you can understand as holding a mirror in front of yourself. Mm. So you can, that can reflect yourself to yourself. Mm-hmm. Because of what you are and the nature of you, you cannot necessarily look at yourself yeah. Unless you have sort of some sort of a mirror mm-hmm. that can reflect your true being to yourself, yeah. Yeah. so that mirror would be uh, self introspection or in- self inquiry, and that is what has given me the understanding um, with my psychedelic experiences of what God is. And I've written a definition here; it's not perfect, as I said. Yeah. But God is a non dual reality, pure awareness which in essence is timeless, spaceless, and aware. And in that non-dual reality, which is timeless, spaceless, and aware, there is space, time, and minds that have their flow. By minds, I just mean any, any biological being, any being that is conscious. Um, I mean, here's an important question, I think, which is like, how do you know that something like psychedelic experience can actually give you an idea of what God is. I mean, like, maybe this is, maybe what you're calling God is just a description of your psychedelic experience. And it's not that the psychedelic experience is pointing towards something bigger that transcends it, you know? Yeah, um, that's a very good question. Well, I think 
it's an accumulative case of mm. adding psychedelics to introspection uh, to my other experiences like writing poetry mm. um, there is there seems to be common elements in all of those uh, in all of the states of a sense of loss of ego a sense of being anything that is yeah. you currently experience so merging into the experience that you're having so the distinction between subject and object gets dissolved and you're in a, in a case of poetry it would be channeling poetry not thinking mm-hmm. where you're not really there as a thought you mm-hmm. just you, you're being mm-hmm. uh, with the case of psychedelics similar thing happens where your sense of self is lost and you merge with something greater than you something right. like uh, something we can call cosmic consciousness mm-hmm. with introspection um, it verifies the same truth through the simple and pure act of going towards yourself mm. and then establishing that that self is uh, pure awareness yeah. and that that self is not a self that you identify with as this body and mind. Mm. As in you're not your thoughts or your emotions, you are that which is aware and that the awareness doesn't change, it doesn't seem to have any content. Mm. In the Buddhist language it will be called a no-thing. Mm. It's not nothing but it's not a thing that you can find. Mm. And that thing is not necessarily something you can um, objectify in terms of space or time. Yeah. In fact, I think space-time occurs in awareness, is in infinite awareness. So your question is, of course, we have to be psych- um, skeptical to a single psychedelic experiences. But when you get consistency in all psychedelic experiences, plus introspection, meditation, all spiritual traditions, uh, combining that with uh, sacred texts like... Hinduism, Buddhism, even in Islam, with mysticism, like you're basically um, are doing an accumulate. You're going through an accumulative case in your own life by personally experiencing those things, and and once you also read about other people having those experiences, and it's all sort of they're all pointers mm-hmm. at different directions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one is on the left, the other is on the right. One is in Africa, and the other is in Iran, and you know we have our own arrows are our pointers yeah. to different our own different ways of, of approaching it yeah but it ends it, yeah. but it ends at the same place yeah of oneness and of non-dual truth so mm. that's that's sort of the uh my summary of what i have to mm. say about god um david do you want to bring in insights from uh, from other religions i suppose the main point to clarify is that people i think would get a little bit confused with the sort of dualist and non-dualist yeah. Approach to God, right? Yeah, exactly. So, uh, an, an anecdote, I'd, so you know, so you were describing yourself as a non non dual, uh, from a non dual perspective. To sort of give a kind of a little anecdote, a story that might put this into context, I was at a Zen temple roughly you know, a year ago, ten months ago, and I was just washing the dishes, and then you know all of a sudden the sort of the the kind of thing that happens during you know intense self introspection or psychedelic experiences just starts to happen. I'm there washing the dishes, and the upper half of my visual field just falls away and just gets entirely taken over by light. And then you know from that direction of vague upwardness, there's just you know this constant effulgence, this overwhelming mm. effulgence of mm. grace and mercy and kindness mm. and it's just it's just like being like what I imagine it mm. must be for a baby to be enveloped in its mother's arms, right? Yeah. Just nothing but mm. every possible positive emotion coming from that and just completely dissolving me. So whereas there's still some maintenance of the set bottom half of the vision, mm-hmm. you know, particularly because that's kind of how you meditate in, mm. in Zen with the sort of eyes half-lidded. Nevertheless, like all sense of self completely drops away. I finish washing the dishes and I go outside and I speak to my friend Nestor, who's this Cuban uh, Advaitin, so non-dualist. And I just said, oh, you know, 
oh gosh, you know, just uh, just saw God and just go, oh my God, uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, and I'm just there, just kind of trembling with it, right? And he goes like, what the heck? You saw God. You are God, right? Yeah. Being that that thing that you experience is not different from you. Mm-hmm. You didn't experience some external reality right. that is some right. other thing, yeah. right? And I was like, yeah, but like. Man, like, <laughs> I like it this way. I like s- <laughs> describing that as something yeah. else and describing me as this thing down here. Mm. That's the way I tend to to talk about it, to con- conceptualize it, just because it feels, it gets a bit confusing when you try yeah. to identify yourself with that. But anyway, that thing over there, that, that thing which radiates all this good stuff, mm. that's God. <laughs> and I'm this idiot, right? <laughs> right. But that being said, like, whenever a non-dualist talks about God, talks about being that infinite awareness, mm. it's utterly clear what they're saying, right? At no point am I going to go to them and say, ah, oh, you know, you heretic, you're saying you are the truth, ah, you burn you at a stake, right? So it's that, that's, I think, the basic ambiguity. People might get confused, right? Wow, so is God this other thing, this transcendent reality, boop-bidi-boop-bidi-boop? Or is this imminent thing that you experience that you are? <laughs> Once you experience it, it's perfectly obvious how people describe it both ways. Mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm. So I guess that's the only kind of clarification I'd, I'd want to bring in now. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I like what you said because it relates to Ali's second point at the beginning, that God is something that you have to experience, you know. Mm-hmm. And the way that you described it was indeed in like very experiential terms. Mm-hmm. Something that happened to you, there was an immediate sensation mm-hmm. in your body, it seemed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then, of course, there are other ways, right? You can, right. The more kind of logical path, the sort of... Taking, taking the mind's route to it. Mm. Sim- it's very simple. It's okay, what's, what's going on here? All right, this, um, for those who aren't here, there's three of us. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I forgot to introduce myself. I'm David Leon, a librarian at the Oxford Center for Buddhist Studies, currently a teaching assistant at a primary school, and apparently a jobbing mystic. So. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so the three of us are here in Ali's living room, and then we can ask a question. Okay, well, how did we get here? Well, we walked here. Okay, well, how did we walk? What moved our legs? Okay, well, this physical explanation. All right. But then, you know, what, what, cause, what, what is the structure and conditions for this physical explanation? Okay, God. Mm-hmm. All right, fine. All right. Or before, before we walked here, we did this. We, we, we were here yesterday. What happened before that? Okay, we were born. Mm-hmm. Okay, what happened before that? Okay, the Big Bang. Okay, what happened before that? Okay, God. Mm-hmm. Fine. Or, all right, here we are talking. All right, we're talking with words, which relies on logic, which relies on structuring conceptual concepts. Mm. All right, what is the thing that underlies structural and conceptual concepts in the mind? Well, that's just infinite awareness. Mm. So, mm. you see, you can arrive at it, quote-unquote, logically, well, I right, think through I, discourse. I think that there's also, like, a big step in that last thing, right? Because, like, every, I think for a lot of people who don't have familiarity with these ideas, mm-hmm. like, you might be able to follow that chain of logic up until structuring concepts. Mm-hmm. Then to go from structuring concepts to infinite awareness, <laughs> right? Like, like, what, like, like A, what, what is, why is it awareness? And B, uh, like, what makes it infinite, you know? Uh, that's, uh, that's, uh, yeah, that, those, those, those would be my questions. Cool. Um, I mean, I do want to go back to your point of non-duality and duality because I didn't actually explain what they meant. Yeah. I just sort of mm-hmm. uh, gave you a description of what I think God is. But it's important to say that non-duality is the opposite of duality. So if you have the distinction between subject and object and the distinction between subject and subject, that would be you and I mm-hmm. or Kenneth and David um, or any animal with a human being, then subject and subject. And also the distinction between subject and God. Um, Those are all dualities. Those are all separations. In non-duality, the collapse of all of those dualities, it doesn't necessarily reject duality. It just says duality is an appearance. It's not the essence of reality. Um, So we, just like a dream, 
Hmm. My mind creates the dream world in which I find myself in. And inside the dream, you have other minds, you have a physical world. And then when you wake up, you realize, well, that was my mind doing, <laughs> creating this whole show. Yeah. Right? So just think of, metaphorically speaking, again, using poetic language, God being in a state of meditation or sleep. Um, and in his mind, you get the physical reality as the... Um, as sort of like a playground for yeah. us, you know, we can play. Space time, without space time, we cannot play. Mm. We will just be an infinite mm. void. <laughs> so we have to have our playground, which will be space and time, um, and in which we can, we can play. Right. And so duality is, is the play. Is we use those language in order to be able to re relate to ourselves. I don't say to Kenneth, Ali. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I'm speaking to a different person. So like within the game, the language of the game is duality. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense for me to use duality. Even with God, I do think it's very good still to use a dualistic, dualistic language because it, for most people, they need someone or they need like a God some, some, somehow separate from them or the other who they can pray to. If you tell them, well, God is inside your being or something like God is you, it may confuse them. <laughs> and it may, also, it, it may also get in the way of prayer because mm. prayer is about relationship, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but someone who wants more, who wants to know more, uh, can understand that duality works as we're in the game, we're in this playground, mm. and we're using this language of the game to relate to God, and that's fine. Mm. But if you really want to know what the game is, then it's the, the essence is a non-dual essence. Mm. And that can't be any other way because if we introduce other substances, mm. we say we have a being other than God, mm. then you have two beings here. <laughs> and what is going on with two <laughs> beings? Like metaphysics likes to, <laughs> likes to play. Like the, it, it's better to start with one substance, one mm. being. Mm. Um, and I don't mean substance in a material sense, I mm. mean in a spiritual sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we have one being and that being is one. Now... I have a being, but my being is not apart from God's being. Mm. In fact, I don't have being apart from God. So mm. my being and God's being has to be the same being. Mm. So in, in that sense, uh, it, it even is true philosophically, if you think about mm -hmm. uh, how many beings there are in the world, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, so th I think that the basic, so Spinoza very, is a very fine argument for, you know, substance monism. It's like, look, well, look, you know, well, he starts from the premise that God is infinite. He's like, well, look, if God is infinite, there's no room for anything else. <laughs> so everything, everything that possibly exists has to be either that or inside that in some sense. Yeah. Right? And I've, I've always bought that. I think that if, you know, in terms of metaphysics, mm -hmm. yeah, like there's just no room for anything else in the universe but God, right? Yeah. Um, another way, I think, to arrive at non-dualism is just complete intellectual honesty, right? Because if, if you just take a moment out, which is tricky, but take a moment out and it just, you know, be completely honest with yourself. I don't think any single one of us understands any single distinction that we use, mm. right? If I were, so mm. I can, I can converse perfectly well, right, about the met metaphysics of idealism and materialism, right? But if I were to just step aside by myself, sit in the back garden and be like, okay, David, what is idea and what is matter? And be like, well, look, I, to be honest with you, David, I don't know. I just came across these terms, read dozens and dozens and dozens of books about it. And here I am just kind of like, you know, running with it. Mm -hmm. But do I myself, I didn't come up with that distinction. Yeah. It was there being made. And I just kind of took this someone else's language and ran with it. Or mm -hmm. here and there. Okay, like I get it, right? Mm -hmm. But 
if I were to sit down and be like, okay, David, you, you explain to me exactly what's the difference between here and there. Mm. There's a place that's there, there's a place that's here. What is that? And like, I can't actually tell you, David. I'm not, I'm well, not well, entirely sure. Well, well, why not, though? I mean, like, you know, I, it seems like some people would be, like, pretty damn confident about their ability to, like, uh, tell apart here and there. Yeah, what's bad? It's, they haven't <laughs> thought about it long enough. <laughs> not near. Whereas you have, whereas you have. Okay. <laughs> Unfortunately. So, 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 so let's talk about that. So let's talk about that. So, like, like, uh-huh. like where, where does your, where are the limits of your understanding? Like, where do you become fundamentally unable to distinguish between any two things? Well, the more you look into it, the more you look into it, like, wait a second. Okay, so here... And then, you know, you find yourself 7, 8, 10, 20, 30 minutes down the line more confused than you were because the more you inquire into it, you basically, they're, they're vanishing concepts. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, what am I stepping on? And then you look it down and you look at it, it's actually just, well, before I looked, it's a kind of like Wile E. Coyote, yeah. famous Zizek joke, running off the cliff. And it's funny, it carries his weight. Right. The moment he looks down, he realizes there's nothing under him and it falls yeah. apart. <laughs> so the, the, I use here and there. Yeah. When I'm using it, the, the concepts are solid and fine. The moment I inquire into them, mm. they start to dissolve. I start to get confused. One mm. becomes the other. One contains the other. And at that point, I'm like, okay, actually, I fundamentally can't establish the rock solid foundations right. for any conceptual distinction right right that being the case who am i to come in and start telling god what <laughs> that it is that and i am not this and that and like that but at that point generally speaking you tend towards unitive experience mm, right? mm. and generally speaking unitive explanation mm, mm. of that experience this is just one big thing and mm. I, I can't really i cannot confidently draw the line because yeah. i'm not even sure what the line is is mm. it dotted what is this thing that what is this line i'm supposedly drawing between what and what right yeah, yeah. so that for me is the 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 best method really, yeah. <laughs> for arriving at non-duality just complete honesty and complete sort of self-criticism about what exactly the dualisms that you are employing actually mean and you end up in confusion and at that point you're like you kind of just give up at which point you just fall into <laughs> mm. non-duality right? mm, mm, mm. and that uh, that's a really interesting point to me that last step that like you're in this deeply confused state you don't know what anything means hmm. and then from there you fall into this <laughs> like state of oneness you know um which, which is, I'm, I mean, surprising because I, I'd imagine you could get stuck at that level of mm. just like existential ambiguity, mm. chaos, despair. Mm. You know, there's no fundamental bedrock to anything. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, without making this other additional step, right, yeah. of being like, ah, infinite awareness. I mean, it's like it's, it's the same as the question I was asking earlier. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's it's a it's a certain uh, you know t- without trying to muddy the waters too much because this can mean something else. But it's, there's a certain leap of faith, right? Mm-hmm. There's a certain like. You know, the mind doesn't want to let you do this. And it's it's on the knife's edge between complete existential despair mm. and total existential victory. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and you just have to at some just be desperate enough to really want it, right? Yeah, yeah. And then what? Well, you know, then 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 dot dot dot, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, exactly, yeah. I, I do wanna say something on, on your point, um, which is which is based on uh, self inquiry and introspection. And I think if we make God sort of an object that we need to find or experience, like a state, uh, we're falling back into a playground where we have to play our games again. Yeah. Um, as you were saying about a conceptual language you use um, and you're trying to understand God, it's sort of like 
being within a virtual game and trying to speak the language of the person who wrote the code or the language of the code. Mm. But the thing is, you can't. You, <laughs> you, you, you can't. You can't. You cannot. You cannot do that, right? It's like getting Link to slice the the TV screen or slice the code that Link is being played on or whatever. Yeah, the yeah, video game character. That yeah, is, yeah, exactly. And um, but within the playground, um, we have to. We have to inquire if we can find God in within our playground. So, are we? Do we need God as? Are we conceptualizing God as an experience that we have? Um, that's how we can access Him, or is there something more deeper than that? And I think in non-duality, they um, and in in the direct path self-inquiry, it's very clear that you're all the time experiencing that, that oneness. Mm-hmm. You don't, it's not a state, it's mm-hmm. your nature. Mm-hmm. Um, your nature, it is your being, is non-dual. And all the time you're experiencing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just that because of probably education and thought, we have lost touch with our own experience. So because it's, because it's our nature, any experience that is built on the top of that nature is by the definition non-dual. And so in, in the technique of self-inquiry, what one has to do is to just pay attention to how one's experience is playing out. Mm. Sort of you get a screen, now metaphorically speaking, it's a single screen, and within that screen I have my thoughts, emotions, sensations, but also the physical world around me. Uh, I don't have two. Right. That, and that, that you're saying is the playground, right? Like that's like sort of like the canvas upon which, like you know, your, your experience of the world is being drawn. Not not to mix metaphors, but yeah. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't necessarily use that metaphor for this, mm. but I would say that um, in a sense we are in that field, mm-hmm. and we are having images or understanding of that field. I think the closest we can get to um, God is is in silence and complete dissolution of the self. Mm-hmm. So samadhi, silence, and when you're when you don't have any concepts about God, when you don't have, when you're not thinking, you completely have dissolved into that being. Um, so you, while you are in the playground, you have to remember that the playground is is um, is infiltrated by God's spirit, mm. by God's being. So maybe the form and the geometry, like what you see, like colors, shapes, and um, like all of that, mm-hmm. maybe that is the, the playground, the show, space and time. But I do believe that the awareness itself is the same as um, as God. Mm. So, so within the playground, you can have a direct first-hand access of God. It doesn't mean you know everything about God or you can experience all of God, but it does mean that you will experience something truly, truly of God directly without any uh, filtration. So as in, in that sense, you're no longer in, in the world of metaphysics. You now have, have had an experience of God. So it's more, it's very real to you right now, you know? Right, right. Um, but, but also, like, what, what is that experience if God is in every experience? You know what I mean? Like, you're, you're saying that, like, every aspect of the playground yeah. is God itself, right? Yes. It, it, I guess it's just a bit like, you know, you're watching a film and then the credits roll and then it stops and then the, all the lights come on and then you see the screen. Mm, you hadn't seen okay. the screen until then. I of see. course, you'd seen I the see, screen. See, see, see. Yeah, Everything yeah. you'd seen, literally every image, right. you know, Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader and the Death Star, you'd seen the screen. Right, right, right. 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 But no, you thought, okay, no, this is Luke Skywalker, this is Darth Vader, this is the Death Star. Right, right, right. right. That all stops. Right, right. 
you know, the lights come back on and you then you see the screen. Yeah. Yeah. But like, but like where, where's the jump, right? Like, at what point do the lights turn off, so to speak? Yeah. <laughs> turn right. Because like, like I can I can just, you know, like step back from my experience and be like, OK, like let me reflect on all the people in my life. The fact yeah, that I'm yeah, in this yeah. room right now with Ali and Dave and we're recording this podcast. Right. Um, like I can just step back from that and see like, OK, like that's all like unfolding in my experience. But I'm yeah. not like having like an ecstatic religious experience right now. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, maybe you guys can show me how. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there, there seems to be like an apparent um, veil yeah. between us and God. Yeah. But the key is in the word apparent, is that it's not actually something that is a veil. It's not a real veil. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the point is you're always experiencing it. But as David said, it's like watching a movie and there are images playing out in the movie and you've been focusing on the images mostly, yeah. not on the screen. Um, but the thing is, you have always been experiencing the screen through the movie, and also you were aware of the movie, but maybe not you didn't pay that much attention mm-hmm. to the screen. Um, so, in, w- with that, ana- working with that analogy, the reason that it's not a state that you suddenly fall into is because it is the screen. It's not an image. Mm-hmm. If you say it's a state, mm-hmm. it will be an image. So, still, it's part yeah, yeah. of part mm-hmm. of. Um, Mm. Part of the game, part of the, part mm. of the movie you're watching. Mm. So if if you if you make it like a state, like it's like a special mm. psychedelic, like a DMT <laughs> trip when you meet <laughs> elves, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> if you make it if you make it that object, then you still um, are are focusing on the images mm. and not mm. that which is aware of the images. You know, there. I see. Okay. In, in Hinduism, there is this idea that you know I go through different states of consciousness. Mm-hmm. I go through dream state, waking state, mm-hmm. uh, and the deep sleep state. Mm-hmm. Let's add psychedelic state to that as well, just because we like we we you know we enjoy talking about psychedelic. <laughs> let's, add, let's just say four. There's four categories, right? Yeah. If you identify with any of those categories, I am the dreamer inside the dream. Or I am the person. I'm the, I'm a dreamer inside a deep sleep state, or I'm the person within the waking state. Then you're still are saying, you still are talking about the images. Now, if you say I'm the pure awareness mm-hmm. in which those states occur mm-hmm. in, mm-hmm. then you have then you're now talking about right. that which is infinite, I aware. Like that. And present, yeah, yeah, and yeah, not talking yeah. about an object within that awareness. Right, 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 right. And so, so you see the problem, right? If you're saying, "Well, look, the screen's there in Star Wars," and you start looking in Star Wars for an image of a screen, yeah, right, where they're showing a slideshow in the film, and right, that's right. not what I'm right. talking about. And right. nothing I would say to you mm. would ever give you any other. The mind will always you'll think about some particular mm-hmm. image on it, right? Exactly. So that's yeah. the point that Ali was making. I think it's I think it's a very good one, but to sort of answer your question how do I make it happen for you right, right right how do I just so the thing there is and it was very funny the first few times I um introduced friends of mine to meditation it's, it's you know you get them sit there sit down and it's much easier it's always much easier when you see it in someone else right yeah. you can see it in yourself but it requires like a memory right to look yeah. back in time to observe yourself like yeah. that so, but in this way you just say okay here sit down five minutes just observe your breath yeah and then whatever after the five minutes what, they'll just start talking yeah. about all these things that they were thinking about yeah. when you told them, I just told you to sit there and observe your breath. Yeah. And you spent those five minutes thinking about X, Y, and Z, which right, you right, always right. think about. Right, 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 so exactly. it's basically, it's yeah, habitual yeah. patterns of thought. Right, right, right. If I tell you, look, here, just stop. Right. Okay, okay, stop. What am I stopping? What am I supposed to be doing now? 
I don't get what's going on. Right. Actually, wait a second. Do I have somewhere to be? Oh, yeah. Actually, oh, oh, I've got to do this for tomorrow. Oh, no. But if I don't do this for tomorrow, okay, wait a second. If I do this for tomorrow, then what am I going to do this? But if I do that then, and then time goes on. Right. And then you're like, okay, so what were we supposed to be doing? <laughs> you were supposed to be stopping. And then, ding, the bell rings. The bell rings. Yeah, and right. it's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> so it's tricky. So that's why, again, like, and you, the point being, at the beginning, it's always, oh, paradoxical. But it's so, you get so used to it. Right? It's so yeah. obvious, right? Yeah. What's going on, right? Um, at the beginning, you realize, look, there's nothing to it. There's no trick. Just that's it. Direct path. Immediate realization. Direct. In, in Zen, there's this famous old dichot debate between... So they all agree. Okay, yeah. It's, it's not like sudden cultivation. Mm. And you spend many, 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 many years meditating. And then you attain the insight. Mm-hmm. No, it's direct insight. Mm-hmm. But then it's direct insight and then, you know... Gradual cultivation mm. or direct insight and then sudden cultivation. Right, right, right. right, right. And, then, and then you're like, and then just this debate kind of keeps on going on. Right, right, right. Point, point I'm trying to make is that when, you know, at the beginning you're like, but it's, it's so obvious. This is God. I am God. Everything is God. Oh, this is good. Oh, fantastic. Great. What need for meditation? I don't <laughs> yeah. need meditation. Da, 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 da. <laughs> and then 10 seconds later, you find yourself following into all these words yep. and yeah, thought yeah, patterns. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 and yeah. then you see, I see why they have structured meditation and times <laughs> and that, that, that. In practice, yeah, you got to like to stop <laughs> doing the thing that you're constantly doing. It requires some annoying, just okay, observe the breath for a certain amount of hours, just to break that habit. Yeah, 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 yes, exactly. it's, it's yeah, a combination yeah. of the two, the understanding and the disciplines in it, yeah, yeah. that you have to have the understanding first, yeah. in order to even understand mm. what the discipline mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so introspection yeah, yeah, yeah. would sort of be like the foundation, the right. strongest foundation you can uh, create for yourself, yeah. on which you can understand what meditation is mm-hmm. what is meditation what is, what is prayer <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. then you yeah. understand what is going on when you close your eyes it's not yeah, just yeah, a human yeah. being closing his eyes and calming his mind how yeah. like mm. western people have mm. made meditation to be or yoga stretching mm. it's just mm. lost his spiritual essence yeah um so once you have that understanding of spiritual essence of non-duality right. then everything not just meditation or prayer but human relationship everything will will be influenced by that if mm. you have that foundation mm. so in the, in the domain of ethics that would be uh, seeing others as you and treating them the way you would treat yourself mm-hmm. um, and in the in the world and understanding yourself not as something that lacks anything but as being itself is complete perfect infinite so your being is already happiness joy now I, I can get into why is happiness it's happiness mm-hmm. because it's not suffering it's, it's the is the absence of lack right, is right, fulfilled, right. right? Because it's not an object, um, and it's not temporary. Right. It doesn't have anything that moves, so it doesn't need anything. It's, it's sort of the absence of things. Mm. But it's an absence in a sense. It's fulfilled in a sense. It's complete. Right. So that, and, yeah, and because it is yeah. right, like it is filled with everything, right? Like the, like, <laughs> like, 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 the, like like the screen contains all the images. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yes. Yeah. yeah. The screen contains all the images, but the screen itself is not a thing yeah um yeah that, that was that was my point so right right right, right. um where was i have to do <laughs> direct me back to my about the, what the discipline is right that you have to know the understanding to understand what the discipline is yes yeah, yeah, and yeah. any discipline whether it's discipline of ethics uh, human relationship or relationship to yourself <clears throat> so when you go to yourself and sometimes you may feel down you're you know you're sitting lonely at home and you feel there's a sense of lack in me mm-hmm. well then explore what that lack is and when you explore the sense of lack you see that essentially it's made of the same being the same infinite 
awareness, completeness, mm. the same happiness. Mm. So essentially, lack is just happiness. Mm. Uh, it's just appearing as in the form of uh, lack, mm. but the lack is non-existence. It's not real. So that would be a relationship to yourself. That um, that would be your mental health or your self-development. You understand yourself as the ultimate reality, or as one with the ultimate reality. Maybe that's better to say. And uh, it's easier to forgive yourself. It's easier to love yourself. But in the world of ethics, it's easier to love other people mm. because they're just you. Um, and then with meditation and other disciplines, mm -hmm. then it allows you to understand that prayer and meditation is ways of getting closer to, mm -hmm. my, to my nature. Now, I am already close to my nature. Mm -hmm. um, but when you do those disciplines, you're, you're sort of, I wouldn't say getting closer, but I would say you're having more maybe heightened experiences. Mm -hmm. You get, you get distracted less. Yes. No, that's, that's actually true. That's, yeah, I would agree with you, yeah. You have mm. less distraction because the, the screen is always there, right? Mm, mm -hmm. It's just that you're not, sometimes there's thoughts and feeling, which yeah. sort of, you know, as you were talking about, David, um, about having many thoughts and they come and pollute the understanding. The analogy that came to my mind was like a laptop screen that is constantly generating new taps, like, mm. like literally like, um, <laughs> like, like 100 every second. And these tabs are all firing. Your neurons in your brain, neuroscientifically, they were like they're firing. You have thoughts, you have feelings, you have um, beliefs about yourself. And there's so many tabs on the screen. There's millions, yeah. and adding up every second to the point that well, if if they have covered the whole screen, five hundred layer on the top of each other, well, it would be hard to see to see the to see the screen, right? You will struggle. Doesn't yeah. mean the screen isn't there. Mm, 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 that mm. infinite awareness is still there. Mm. But it's just the distractions are, as David was saying, distractions are not allowing you to see your true nature. Right, right. And even still, though, like in that metaphor, right, like, like um, it's incomplete because uh, you're treating the screen as a thing, right? In the same way that all the tabs are also a thing, right? Like, like the tab, you have a million tabs and they're maybe obscuring your vision of the screen. But like, what is the screen? Like, it's still something that is like in front of you in 3D space and time in that analogy, right? But I think the crucial thing here is that the screen is just awareness itself, which is n not something that your mind can ultimately wrap itself around so like th that brings us back to the first thing that you raised which is that, like language. We, yeah to, to language yeah exactly that, that we are hinting at something with language um but we're not fully capturing it yeah um because at the end of the day you're just, like with all of with all of this you know um intellectualizing of god like you're still stuck in the realm of concepts ultimately and, and that's why i think people like i assume you you and myself just get entire not just frustrated but like not just agitated but just like not just despairing, but just mostly just a type of boredom so acute yeah. that it's, you know, verges on on on, on madness, right? <laughs> when people debate God, yeah, when, yeah. when you have the atheist-theist debate, and you're just like, you literally, yes, you cannot yeah. understand it less. Like, yeah. if, this is, if, this is what's, if this is what the conversation is about, I would rather be anywhere else <laughs> than stuck in this one, right? Like, like, there's lots of loops I don't want to be stuck in, yeah, but yeah. this is, and, this, and it's just like, again, the blind talking to the blind, right? right, you, right you're right, not right. at all, you, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I don't know, two boxers having a boxing match about peace or whatever, yeah. about like, it's just like, you're not doing it. <laughs> what you're referring to is you've constructed two 
little mental constructs right. and you're pitting them off against each other yeah. and there's one that you say exists and the one that you say doesn't exist and that 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 and you're like I'm gone man <laughs> yeah. I'm so gone I've no patience with this right? right yeah you know in my most bodhisattva you know mood right. you know I stay here within this reality to enlighten others I might be tempted to wait until they talk themselves out so they can then kind of explain it to them yeah, yeah. but I, I'm 32 years old man like I'm getting <laughs> on I've got places to be and that place is outside talking to God <laughs> being God right? and not with these guys right <laughs> no I just that's, that's so true man you yeah. spoke my language uh, I wanna that was beautiful like I everything you said was I couldn't agree with anymore um, I do get I mean I used to be a literalist so I had a literal mm. understanding of the Bible the Quran mm. so I had fallen into that you know game of debating with using that kind of language but unless the experience comes unless you understand what god is again synonymous with reality mm-hmm. then then you're not using the right language you don't even have the right understanding of mm-hmm. god you're symbolizing god but in a really bad way mm-hmm. we're still symbolizing him but trying to ground it in real experience mm-hmm. whereas this symbolism is like doesn't refer to anything so mm-hmm. it's, it mm-hmm. may as well be I mean not all their debates I would say it's, it would be unfair no no of course, of course. Um, no, again you know the kind yeah, of debate yeah. I mean there's debates that are it's simply generic yeah so I've got a very good friend who's uh, who's you know raised uh, in his mid-teens early and mid and late teens in a Tibetan monastery and the practice that they did so you know they'd wake up I don't brush their teeth or something and then like for a few hours they would debate with each other mm. so you know the, the senior monks would pair them off in groups of three or four or whatever mm. And then they would have debate, right? So mm-hmm. as a form of practice, it's okay, wait, hold on a second, like, what about this? Okay, as a form of spiritual practice, yes. right? Obviously, right? Like, we have a mind, the same way that, you know, if you accept people do it using rosaries and prayer beads as a path to God, well, yeah, sure, you have a body, you have fingers, might as well use something, do something, you're in motion, mm-hmm. right? So have this particular motion which gets you to God, mm-hmm. great. Right. Well, you have a tongue, you have language faculty, you have a mind, and da, 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 da. use this motion to get you to God. And indeed, you know, get, see new bits about it. It's like getting to know a lover in, in new ways, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, you haven't, okay, sure, yeah, of course, you pray and you get blasted by the divine radiance. <laughs> so do we all, right? But have you seen it well, this some way? Of us. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know. Definitely not me yet, just to be clear. <laughs> I'm very far from that. But sorry, let me continue. But you see what about? Have you, have you didn't know this aspect about your wife, right? Uh, you got to see it from this way. Oh, I never actually thought about it from that angle. Wow, that's a whole new way. Wow, incredible! Thank you so much for getting me to see that. And you would never have gotten me to see that unless you, you know, go through this extensive scriptural mm-hmm. argument, this extensive, extensive scriptural exegesis, or this extensive, detailed theological. Nah, 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 nah. Mm-hmm. Wow, I never realized that God. Could, you've shown me a new side of it. Fantastic, right? 100%. Obviously, right? Yes, hundred percent. It's just those stupid debates. Oh, does God exist or not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, those debates, as you said, are good if they use a sort of playing uh, back right, and forth right, right. to find out what is going on through logic and reason. Mm-hmm. But, but I think you would agree with me. Ultimately, those conceptual um, use of language has to refer back to their own inner experiences. Yeah, of course. Yes. It, yeah, I mean, again, it's the same yeah. like you're saying. You're talking about anything right like talking about trees without ever having seen a tree you don't know what you're talking yes. about you just tra- it's just it's a purely symbolic game there, yes. right it's yes but then no no i've seen a tree you've seen a tree now you're giving me we're talking about this right. 
common experience, which yes. we know. Right? Like, this is how you climb it. It's got these many branches. Mm. You've got to jump. You've got to bring a stepladder because the branches are too high. But we both know what trees are, right? Mm-hmm. There, uh, were, there was something, Kenneth, you said um, yeah. earlier, and I want to address that. And that was in relation to the fact that we are stuck in, in, this, in, in the images right, of right. the movie. And that the analogy doesn't work in a sense because the screen is a thing, whereas in our experience, God is not a thing. Right, right, right. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is, I, I, I actually think there is a way to directly experience God. So by that I mean you don't experience the images, you right, experience right. the screen the itself. Screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so it comes to a very simple sentence. Yeah. Awareness, by being aware, is aware of itself. And you are that awareness. So in every second, you're experiencing yourself. Because you are that awareness, right. by virtue of being aware, you're aware of yourself. Right. And, and so you may not, you, you can experience that directly. Right. But as soon as you want to try to, to use words, try to use your lips and yeah. mouth, that with, with causing vibrations, right, right, those right. vibrations, those, those words you're saying are symbols, right? That are right. relating back, they're referencing your yeah. inner um, experience of being aware of awareness. Yeah, yeah. Even when you're using your thoughts to remember right. the experience you just had, okay, two seconds ago I was aware. Let's think right. about that. Then you're not think you're not you're not talking about awareness, right? Because right. awareness is present and aware in the present moment. Yeah. So it is that that aware feel. Yeah. It may be hard to find words to even describe it, but the point is that you can directly experience God, not the images, the screen, right? By being aware. Right, exactly, and 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 I think though that like that raises the same issue that that I that I mentioned earlier, right? Which is that like if if God is in fact the playground and you are always in the playground, right? Like if 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 God is the awareness that permeates every single conscious experience, like insofar as you are conscious, you are you are directly experiencing God, mm. right? Then like why are we not all enlightened? You know, <laughs> um, and I think this is the classic question that is posed by um, a lot of different traditions. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, Buddhism, for instance, right? Like, you know, like you, you are, you are awareness, right? And we established that, right? Like, like, like you are awareness at every single moment Mm -hmm. and, and that pure awareness is God. Um, but I am far from the light, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and and but why am I not the light? You know, right? Like, this, right? like this paradox, like this, this like fundamental paradox. Of all I think it's really good. So obviously in Zen, that's the constant thing. You know, you are Buddha nature, right. but, then, but then what is it that's delusion, right? right. If yeah, delusion yeah. is enlightenment, then what it, that's a, for, but for me, like as, as people who know me know, I'm a big fan of Chuangzi, he's this Taoist philosopher. And for me, you know, he said it earliest and best. And, and the way he phrases it is like, because everyone, every the conversation in early Chinese philosophy, in early Chinese thought, is about the way, yeah. or the Tao, right? And what is the way, right? And can you possess the way? Can you know the way, etc. Um, and then Chuangzi stops and asks, "Look, the question is really more: by what is the way obscured? How can the way be obscured? It's the way. It's yeah, everywhere. Yeah. It's everything. Yeah. How is it possible for it?" Not (laughs) to be heard. That's the question, right? Right, That, I think, is a much better phrasing of it. Mm, mm, What mm. the heck is going on when I'm not (laughs) in touch with God, right? Mm, That's so so confusing. Mm, mm, And I don't mm. really have a very good answer for you. Mm, Um, (laughs) Perhaps we can, if you want, we can talk about this right now. But I did want to ask about, mm, yeah. talk a little bit about, yeah, let's let's turn to this if if we can. Yeah. Uh, Maybe I have to give it some thought. But you ask about, okay, how do I 
get to know it, right? right, and, right. and then Ali gives a very good example. Look, you know, you are awareness, which right, is aware right, of itself. Right. Awareness by being awareness is aware of itself. Da, da, da. <laughs> <laughs> and like, you know, so I, I think anyone who's listening to this podcast has probably come across those things before, right? right? right, right. Uh, some people might not, but, you know, pretty early on, if, if you're interested at all in these things, if you're interested in the breadth of human experience, mm-hmm. then you're you know, then you'll learn a little bit about spirituality. You come across these things. And for me, like, I think for a lot of people, that'll just work, right? You come across this and it'll get you there and you know, it just works. And then you fall out of it and then you get into the spiritual practice and discipline to sort of stay on it, that kind of thing. Um, But I think for a lot of people, it doesn't quite work. And that's because it gets stuck in the thinking conceptual Mm -hmm. mind. It becomes this little word trick riddle and it doesn't fully work, I guess, in terms of what, is it, what does it mean for it to work. But the point I'm, I'm making is this, right? A lot of people won't be satisfied with that. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'd, I'd, if you would ask me honestly, right, mm-hmm. what is the best way for you personally and for mm-hmm. a lot of the people listening mm-hmm. to try to experience it, right? Mm-hmm. It would be bhakti, right? It would be mm-hmm. devotion, devotional mm-hmm. practices, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So you're familiar with who Ram Das is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll yeah, explain yeah, a bit yeah. for the listeners, right? He's this a Harvard psychologist who takes a bunch of acid, trips out, and then, you know, goes, well, you know, forget this, <laughs> forget this stuff. I'm going to g- forget the universities, forget like the, you know, nitpicking empirics. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go to India and, yeah. you know, talk to the mystics and people who really understand consciousness, da, da, da. and he meets this guy named Karoli Baba, right? mm-hmm. and, and, you know, becomes mm-hmm. his disciple, ba, 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 comes back to the States and, you know, is an influential figure in the 60s, 70s, kind mm-hmm. of spiritual revival, whatever yeah. you want to call it. And um, so he just, one of, one of the stories he describes is that when he's there in India, um, the, the guy tells him, look, so his, uh, um, Neem Karoli was, was this, um, he was a devotee of Hanuman. Mm-hmm. So typically, yeah. in terms of, quote unquote, the underlying philosophy, in terms of the underlying conceptual structure in Hinduism, mm-hmm. al- almost everyone's would describe it as there is one underlying reality and mm-hmm. that is God and that is that. Right. But we worship it in a bunch of different ways, right. mm-hmm. just depending on what your, you know, personality is like. Mm-hmm. You can you devote yourself to a particular image of it. Mm-hmm. Da, da, da. So this guy was a devotee of Hanuman, mm-hmm. sort of monkey god. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so he says to uh, uh, Ram Das, look, go to this guy, go to a temple of his, go to a statue and pray, you know, mm-hmm. just go there and just bow down to this monkey mm-hmm. over again and again, day after day after day. And of course he gets there and he does it. And a few hours in, he's like, what the heck am I doing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Here I am, this Harvard educated, you know, ex-professor, exceptionally rational person. Here I am bowing to a monkey, yeah, <laughs> exactly. like a statue of a person with a Protestant, you know, yeah. uh, you know Judeo-Christian and a specifically right. Protestant kind of general culture that right, he would have right, been brought right, up right, in, right, right. images and that kind of thing, you know, mm. idols is bad. So every part of him is rational side and it's going to base spirituality, yeah. mm-hmm. right? just rejecting this yeah. completely. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. Right? So that's why it's the best thing to get rid of this mm. kind of... <laughs> okay, okay, look, dude, just shut the fuck up, you know, <laughs> sit the down and bow your fucking face <laughs> to the ground. You know? Face, ground, face, ground. Shut the fuck up, you know? Right? And you know, if you need to do it in front of a monkey to feel it, yeah, fine. Yeah, if you really yeah. don't want the idol worship, just yeah. go by yourself yeah. to a corner, to the field, face, ground, face, ground, you know? Yeah. And that, you see, that that motion, yeah, right? That yeah. act of self-abnegation, of I don't know what the heck's going on. Yeah. I'm just going to bow. I'm just going to worship, right? Yeah. 
the, the whole point being, if yeah. you are able to do that, you yeah. will have accomplished it. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah. obviously, yeah. if you go there and you can't do it, and you can't quite bring yourself and you feel awkward, well, then it hasn't happened, right? right? right, right, right. But you try, right, you know? Right, right. And then, you know, in the moment that you succeed, is yeah. that's it, it's done, you've done it, right? right? right, right, right you've right. given up the self, right? right, right Forcefully, right, right. perhaps. Right, 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 but right. you see when the, what I'm saying. Right? Yeah. Sometimes the logical trick, the, the, it's, it's obvious, right? right Once right. you've done it before, and if that works for you, it works for you. And if, you've, if it's happened to you before, just yeah. being reminded of it, you'll be right back into it, right? Yeah. Yeah. But that's why, and I think that's what our culture really lacks. It's like right. The best way to overcome the overly rationalistic tendency, yeah. which is constantly papering over your experience, yeah. the constant narrative, and the constant yeah. typically critical, yeah. self-critical, annoying, nitpicking yeah. narrative, best way to give that up are these devotional practices. Right, 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 right. right, right. Uh, so, and yeah. then that doesn't mean that at the end of it, you then have to buy into any... Belief structure about right. except these, for the monkey, except for the monkey. Yeah, the <laughs> monkey's real. The monkey's for real. <laughs> but it doesn't mean that afterwards you have to be like, oh yeah, this monkey god is the thing, right. or yeah, if I bow down and pray a hundred times, then I'll get really rich. Right. Does, you don't have to believe anything about right. it. Right? Right. It's just the act of self-abnegation mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. that is entailed mm-hmm. in these yeah. practices. Yeah. Would if I'm giving you genuine, uh, genuine, honest advice, that would probably be the most effective thing for yeah. most clever, mm, university-educated, mm-hmm, yeah. Western, 21st right. century people. Right, right, right. right, right Precisely because right. it's the last thing they'd fucking do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. and that brings me back to a question that Kenneth asked. Why mm. is it that it's hard for us to experience that Buddha nature? And like you spoke about a few, few ways of doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, that, I think devotion, bhakti, is, is a really direct way. But I do think that a lot of people whose egos are um, very inflated and people who have been given a diet of materialism all their life, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, devotion is not gonna, going to work. And mm-hmm. probably mm-hmm. like, f- probably like mm, 30 grams of 5 MU DMT. Well, you're saying that would work. There is also that. Uh, Just so, like so bigger doses. You always, <laughs> you always have to put the medicine in proportion to the disease. If oh, their ego or their disease oh, is no very bad and it's been like 60 years since they've treated their, their ego, it's become a cyst, it's about to pop. Oh God. Well, the, the medicine will be a surgery. Now, the surgery <laughs> will, be, will be the 5 MEO. It will completely take the ego off oh, and literally throw it out the window. And at that, that point, you have died. Until it comes back, right? Yes. Yeah, Until yeah, it comes yeah. Back. Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's 20 minutes later. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Let's just say yes. 100% yes. for momentarily. Momentarily, you get, you get a glimpse of this idea that you may not be, the, you may not be this egoic se- uh, self, mm-hmm. right? And once you get that experience, well, it depends on how you respond to that. But the experience of having this cosmic consciousness or ego dissolution is very similar to a, like a near-death experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've you've basically got like if you were to play a virtual reality game, yeah. and you you know you you die in that game, yeah. and you can also take psychedelics. Right. And if you were to do both modalities, both taking a psychedelic in a game and uh, and die, you could see how it's possible to conceptualize a very similar experience because death is about you know the dying of the ego. And the psychedelics, something very similar happens. So probably the closest you can get as a simulation of death. So if they die and yet there's something else um, hovering in mm. the background, mm. something more, you know, uh, infinite, something mm. more, something more than them. Mm. 
then there at least that now the cyst is temporarily out and then it de- does depend on the person how to uh, understand that mm. but a lot of people will take enough of psychedelics let's say the cyst keeps coming back well keep fucking taking <laughs> surgery like keep taking surgeries and and one day it, the ser- there will be no there will be no need for surgery because it will be crystal clear yes yeah, so <laughs> even the biggest like dickheads moral of the story trip on a monthly basis brought to you by the Oxford Psychedelic Society <laughs> thank you end of podcast <laughs> At, at which point I have to step in and be like, "Look, like, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, 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 no." Kids, like, you need to have some. not, not, no, but like maybe once every six months, you know. Like, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying again, like, like uh, yeah. So I think a lot of the stress of my life is because there's things I want to say, but you know, there's no real occasion to say it. You can't just go around telling people, "Fuck, I'm like, no. You know, so what I'm about to say is something I've had on my mind, right? I've told myself in my head dozens of times I never had the occasion so this is there it's, I've said it out loud it's recorded and I can rest a little bit right yeah. so what I'm going to say is like listen like anyone who's listening to this and hasn't experienced God blah blah like please just take my word for it do it just pray like just like fucking bite the bullet yeah. and like do it the old fashioned way don't take the big dose of drugs right mm-hmm. just like you know because so you're going to feel no, wait, 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 just sure, finish sure. right you're going to feel foolish Either way, right? But, okay, if what it takes <laughs> for you to get God, okay, is a massive dose of 5-MeO-DMT, you are going to feel, uh, there might be some pain, right, afterwards. That might be a very painful experience for you, right? If the way that you experience God is at the tail end of a massive LSD dose, <laughs> right, you might come out feeling rather sheepish yeah mm-hmm. so just say, like by all means do it right if that's if you really want it to happen you're like oh god well you know yeah. i want to experience god i want to uh, blah, 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 blah. Like, yeah like careful right like you're saying completely right yeah. things and i have to clarify what i meant which was that if you are someone who's 60 years old yeah, yeah, and I mean, in their whole life they've never had any spiritual practice yeah, yeah. prayer to them is bullshit yeah, yeah, technically yeah, yeah. and there is there's um Self-inquiry is just like, what is awareness? Awareness? Am I even aware? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm talking about people who, have, who are completely materialistic, yeah, completely yeah, yeah. scientifically. No, I, I yeah. For them, I do think, the I, I do think they need to bite the bullets and, take, <laughs> take and be humble yeah, yeah, yeah. and humble yourself before a mushroom. Yeah, yeah. Fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what I would say, that's it. So do it. Do it. If, you really, if you're a massive skeptic, okay, don't talk until you've done a big, big dose of psychedelics, right? <laughs> yes. But I would tell you, just humble yourself first. Just start off, just right now, just respect the world's religious traditions. Be yeah. like, they're talking about something. They're not just... Messing with me, they're not there to exist. They don't exist to yeah. just make to tick me off in my rational mind. Mm-hmm. They're doing the things they're doing for a reason. Just start off respecting what they say. Start listening to it. Start thinking about it. Start calming down and quieting them down, and that'll be much easier for you, right? But if yeah. you if you won't do that and you insist on being a massive skeptic and you insist that it's all bullshit, that I won't listen to you until you've done a massive dose, and then yeah. and, I, and then I suspect that that massive dose might be somewhat painful. You might feel somewhat sheepish, and there might be. Yeah, it might be tricky. <laughs> you just touched upon something that was, I think, really beautiful, which was that unless you um, take this, obviously you're talking to people who mm. are hugely skeptical, people who, who have tried prayer, tried introspection, mm. tried all methods, yeah, and yeah. they don't work. By all so means, yeah, take, if, take, the, yeah, take the drugs. Yeah, if the audience means. is those, and you say, unless you take this, mm. I won't speak to you. I think <laughs> there is a philosophical reason, like genuine 
genuine like pr- principle why you not he's not even able to enter into yeah, yeah. a discussion. Yeah, you don't know what you're talking about. Because uh, John Stuart Mill had an interesting criteria, which was that people who can judge what is higher pleasures versus lower pleasures. Right, right, right. People who can like hierarchically rank lower and higher pre- pleasures are the people who have experienced both types of pleasures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, not, let's not get like lost in a detail of yeah, what yeah, the yeah, pleasures higher, are. Lower, yeah, yeah, yeah. How, yeah. However, it, it sort of gives you the understanding that unless you experience a certain state that is common to many spiritual people and many mm. traditions mm. unless you experience that you're not even a judge <laughs> of what reality is and what god is mm. and, and, and you're using you're out, words without knowing what they mean right? yeah you're out out of the box in order to enter the box now we, we can be softer with you say okay pray meditate <laughs> yeah 10 minutes a day two hours a day pray five minutes just one minute what well, it doesn't work self and cry what for them to take the fucking <laughs> <shows>. <laughs> then, yeah exactly and 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 in most cases, if you're a healthy person, if you're a healthy person, it does, it does give you a good experience in, yeah, in yeah. most cases so, and in, in very, at very little cost to yeah, your yeah, yeah. physiology. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah, much yeah, safer yeah. than most drugs that we take, yeah. tobacco and alcohol being two yeah, of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, there's a way of doing them properly. The shamanic way of doing it is the best. Mm-hmm. Prepare, mm-hmm. have the right mm-hmm. set and setting and do it in the right way. And most likely you will have a good experience. But obviously, you have to get screened out that you don't. You're not already mental, because hmm. if you're already mental, yeah, yeah, you shouldn't yeah. touch those things. Yeah, but yeah. the point is, it, for the final solution, if you give up, give, if you listen to this conversation <laughs> and you give him giving up on God, well, don't. <laughs> there may there may be there may, <laughs> <laughs> there may be you again. There, there may be a way of fixing that yeah, problem. Yeah. You know, uh, it's like you know what it's like. It's like the analogy that comes to my mind is like throwing someone into a swimming pool. Mm. Mm. They don't want to shower. They don't want to clean themselves. They don't well, throw them in the in, in the in the living in, in the uh, throw them in the uh, right. pool deep end, yeah. in the deep, yeah. in the pool, and then they will experience like what water is like, what mm. what 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 it means to be merged with water, right, right. and then like, they shower, and then they'll bathe, and, they'll and later on they can learn how to shower, self like introspection, inquiry, mm. meditation, but so for some people they may not like that sort of like uh, mm. medium of cleaning mm. or understanding what water is. They just need to be, they need to go straight into it directly. Yeah. And I think that's why people like Terence McKenna were so, um, were so insistent that, insistent that psychedelics have an important role to play. Yeah, for sure, they're for not sure. just one way. They're, they're sort of, um, oftentimes they can be like, like a uh, healing, like a medicine mm. to heal the ego. Because mm. if the ego is developed to such an extent that we describe it as being assessed, mm. you can't suddenly just prayer and introspect because to them to you they're bullshit they just mm. don't make any sense they're just yeah. um self-induced placebo mm. to them they do require really like the the fact that we have psychedelics in nature is not an accident if mm. you believe that all is one and god is creating this whole thing perhaps they, they play a really important role in in um in our development our Enlightenment, you know, yeah. not but, to say it's the only way. Obviously, but, uh, yeah, and I want to emphasize too, right, that like you can you can take psychedelics and have a profound experience, but at the end of the day, it is just a glimpse, right? It's a preview <laughs> yeah. of God, and 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 you can you can come out of you know many profound um, psychedelic experiences where you feel enlightened, and then just return to you know sober waking life. 
um, and you know just continue to have like the same amount of ego more or less right yeah, like, maybe even more yeah yeah and like there are so many people who embody that narrative right like Timothy Leary etc right and and like and and like there's a big difference between Ram Dass's and Tim Leary's story right yeah. and that like Ram Dass like ended up devoting himself to to a lifetime of practice and to the custom, right? Like, like Be Here Now, the book that he wrote, is divided into, into three different segments. Um, there's, like, the story of his life, and then there's, um, like, the main spiritual component of the text, um, where he describes all these universal truths, right? You know, about pure consciousness, awareness, being in the present, etc. Um, and, and many of those um, echo the psychedelic experience. But then the final segment of be here now is the cookbook it is like the actual practices like mm, how you implement yeah. this on a day-to-day basis right and it's the it, it is what david was talking about it, it's like the it is it is the act of devotion right like of, yeah. of, of following through um on some kind of a consistent practice um uh, of action and um i might be completely butchering this and trying to think back to what I learned when I was a first-year undergrad taking this philosophy class. But mm. I was saying this philosophy class on existentialism, but we covered at the beginning of that class um, uh, Pascal. Um, and Pascal, I think, if I remember the class correctly, has this idea of custom, mm. um, that like in order to receive God's grace, you have to follow custom. Mm. And the, the key point here is that you might go your entire life practicing customs Without and actually not receive God's grace yeah, at the end yeah. of it, right? Mm. But you might. And, and but you don't know you don't know um so all of which is to say right like you can you can you can have you can have like catalysts like 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 psychedelics and and, and undoubtedly undoubtedly 5-MeO-DMT the other psychedelics <laughs> right are the best catalysts that we have available for people who um for people who are coming into this blind right it's 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 way more immediate than something than, than something like meditation exactly exactly but like you know it is it is there is nothing that we can say that is like you will do this and then you will receive god's grace for the rest of your <laughs> lifetime right right yeah there there's this um there's this there's this uh buddhist koan and again like i don't remember the exact details but like it it, it has something to do with like the difference between the fan and the wind, right? Uh-huh. Like you can give uh-huh. a monk uh-huh. a fan, right? Um, and, and they can fan themselves and, and start feeling the wind and be like, ah, like, okay, like now, like I, I have everything I need, right? I've got the fan. Hmm. Um, but really like enlightenment is the wind itself, you know, it's like the activity of the wind, you know? Um, and like the, the, the wind, the wind can stop blowing at a certain point, you know? And like, and, and, and enlightenment is, it's not like this state that you attain. It is a constant activity. It's a constant practice. It's, 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 it's a constant practice. You know. Because you are something that happens through time. You right, are, exactly. You are this, you can call yourself a process, but you, you exist, you go through your days, you, you do stuff. Right? right, right. So, I mean, if you're going to be doing stuff, that stuff better be in line with right. whatever the goals yeah. and values are, right? Yeah. Yes, and in that sense, your non-dual understanding or any experience you've had, psychedelics, and from which you extracted a sort of understanding of the world, if you truly believe that, then your actions mm-hmm. will be necessarily influenced by that yeah. so as in you may go into your relationships with the understanding that you already are love mm-hmm. joy happiness peace completeness yeah and then you don't go into a relationship by thinking that i am going into that to fulfill a lack inside me mm-hmm. you go with the understanding that i am complete and love and perfect and i'm going to go into my relationship i'm embracing my relationships from that understanding to share the love that, that i already am mm-hmm. Mm. rather than trying to become happy by being with the person mm, mm-hmm. in, in other mm, areas. Mm, it, mm. It, basically, what I'm saying is that if you 
obviously, as you said, psychedelic state is yeah. not anything to do with enlightenment. Yeah. It's a glimpse. It's like a temporary. It's like I'll call you right now. Right. And we have one minute. Hmm. And yeah. I'm gone. I'm sort of saying, yo, you're in this one ultimate reality. <laughs> and you will be back in one minute. And then you go back. And so, obviously, you heard the message, right? Yeah. You may not even be convinced by it. Yeah. That, that's the reason you need to meditate and introspect, to, to always be in that you know, zone of feeling God and being with God. Mm -hmm. You're training your mind as well with, with, with meditation. Right, right. But ultimately, you want that knowledge of your being that is infinite, pure awareness. You want that to affect every aspect of your life. Right. And that is, I wouldn't call that enlightenment necessarily, but I would, I would call that enlightened acts. Yeah, enlightened life. Mm. Enlight you can have an enlightened life but still, if you make enlightenment into the act, yeah. you're still objectifying enlightenment, yeah, saying it's yeah, something yeah. to attain. Enlightening as opposed to enlightenment. Yeah, it, it, yeah it's like, like everything else. An, it's this to have an enlightened process. life yeah. based on the understanding that your nature is enlightened. There's nothing you have to do. It's like in the, in the Christian tradition, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like you're saved by grace. Yeah, 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 and yeah. grace is not something you have to do. It's yeah, something yeah, that's yeah, given yeah. to you freely. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's like, understand... It is freely given to you. It is what you are. Right. And then... And you are what you eat. <laughs> <laughs> what have right. you had last night? <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's those two aspects to it, right? Yeah. Uh, there's, yeah, there's fundamentally what you are and there's what you do, which is what you are. And so what you do has got to reflect what you are. And yeah, there's, there's, there's those two aspects, right? Yeah. And just to reel out some of the usual lines in case the you know listener hasn't heard them, people talk about psychedelics being like helicopter to the top of the magic mountain that you're going to arrive at at the pinnacle of existence when we all fuse back into God, etc. And then you get helicoptered back down and you got to walk it, right? Mm. That's this mm -hmm. one common yeah, yeah, metaphor. Yeah, yeah. Or another one is that psychedelics induce altered states and then, you know, meditation practice or spiritual practice, whatever, introduce, uh, it, um, develops altered traits. Yeah. There's a, there's, mm. a, there's a book about psychedelics and, and meditation called Altered Traits. Uh, so th that's the kind of, that's the basic point, right? Yeah, something just to quickly add on to uh, what we were saying. If you take shamanic cultures and shamanism, it's not about psychedelic experiences. Yeah, yeah. That would be a misunderstanding what shamanism is. Mm -hmm. I think we're understanding psychedelic experiences in a context of you taking something and then that's it. Mm -hmm. With the shamanic context, you have a yes. You still have a discipline. It's mm. not too. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, not too yeah, different yeah. from Hinduism. Well, you have or, or Buddhism. You have a discipline. You have a shaman. You have certain dances or certain music mm -hmm. that you do. You have um, the ritual. Yeah. You have the ritual. You have the healing. The discipline is there. The problem is when we try to import it to the West, mm -hmm. it becomes an experience. But it still is that experience has always been within a discipline and mm -hmm. within a wider framework. Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. So when we separate the the framework from from the experience, mm -hmm. is where we can fall into the problem of. Um, yeah, it can inflate your ego more. But if you have a community, if you have a language of uh, understanding it, literature, it is just med like meditation, but yeah. through a different medium, um, which may be more intense. And it's not for everyone, 100%. Right. And it's, as I said, it's probably the last final solution for people who, are, hmm. who can't, who, 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 who have tried everything. It's mm. like people try everything today to mm. heal their depression. SSRIs don't work. And then the government allowed them to take ketamine. Hmm. It's the final solution. Hmm. Sort of if, if we had the agency that um, helped people to become enlightened, hmm. Hmm. it could say, it, the agency could tell people, well, hmm. you can try introspection, meditation, all of that. Yeah. If it doesn't work, hmm. 
I would then allow you to have a psychedelic treatment for your ego to become enlightened. Huh. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, incidentally, is the system they have in Switzerland, actually. So, so <laughs> for enlightenment. <laughs> well, well, yeah, 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 exactly. No, but for, for for actually for treating like mental health Depression, conditions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. like, like, if nothing else works, then you can try psychedelics, and and that's actually why Switzerland has had um, a, the most extensive research with psychedelics um, from a purely medical angle where you have like these, you know, private private clinicians who are giving psychedelics to people for whom nothing else works. But anyway, that's a, that's a whole side tangent. Hmm. No, what, what you just said was, I think, beautiful and really like you got it on point. You talk about the mental health aspect of it right. and was talking about the, uh, the spiritual aspect of it. Right. It's the, like the enlightenment aspect. Right. Because you asked um, about enlightenment, what, how can we become enlightened? Right, right, right. Uh, and... Uh, I did already say that enlightenment is not a state, but the understanding of enlightenment can come from mm-hmm. um, can come from psychedelic experiences. Yeah. Similarly, yeah. that has in, in the in the context of psychedelics, we have healed the ego, in, just metaphorically speaking. Mm-hmm. We have treated the ego in a sense, mm-hmm. and for mental health, you have treated your mental health issues. Mm-hmm. And the two, the ego in the spiritual and mm-hmm. shamanic sense, um, treating the <coughs> ego, mm-hmm. and then y- your use of language of mental health, the two right. are connected because mm. essentially mental health issues is arising in, from the ego, mm-hmm. from the, from the yeah. idea of yeah. being suffering, se- suffering, being yeah. a separate self. Yeah. Um, so it is true both in med- medically and spiritually, psychedelics is the last final solution, mm-hmm. but a very effective one. <laughs> Very, and I, I would even say yeah. the, the, the most effective solution that should be reserved until every other option <laughs> has, <laughs> has failed. <laughs> you know, that's what I think about psychedelics. <laughs> Thank you all for engaging with today's podcast. We will be producing new contents every week, so stay tuned.